Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to John chapter 17. David Inquire, as always, we thank you. And I hope that you folks in the congregation, as well as our musicians, don't take this as just uh, something I say in the worship service. It is from my heart. We appreciate you folks. Uh, I usually try to come through on Wednesday night to uh, say hi to some and and, uh, then to get a, a, a kind of a glimpse on what you're working on. And I thank you for your faithfulness. Appreciate also our children's church workers. Um, Sometimes um, the pastor tends to run over a little bit. It's a rare thing, of course. That's one reason it's difficult to get children's church workers. Because about 25 minutes after the hour, they begin to climb the walls back there. So appreciate all those who serve there. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, once again, we come and ask your blessing. We are dependent upon you, and we are grateful that we are not dependent on preachers and Bible teachers. For God the Holy Spirit is the one infallible teacher of the Word of God. And we pray that he would minister to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In an early and uh, unexpected outbreak of winter, two porcupines discovered if they remained separate, they were very, very cold. But if they got close together, they needled one another. Question, does that sound familiar? Some are nodding It sounds a little bit like some of our homes at times, doesn't it? Not all the time and not all of our homes, but it sounds a little bit like some of our homes at times, right? Yes, I'll answer for us. Individual family members can't be apart because they need the love and and, and the support, the encouragement, the companionship. But when they get together, sometimes they needle one another. Not only does this sound a bit like our homes... But it also sounds like our churches. May I just say at the outset, there is not a church on the top side of God's green earth that doesn't have a couple of porcupines. Okay? That includes Wake Chapel Christian Church. I've got a couple of porcupines listening to me this morning. People stay away from church, they grow cold. Come to church and sometimes somebody needles them. A 
A Scottish pastor was concerned because a once active member of his church was no longer participating in worship and fellowship. And so on a winter night, the pastor visited this spiritual delinquent in his cottage with a fire burning on the hearth. The parishioner invited the pastor to sit in a rocking chair next to his, and they rocked back and forth, looking at the big hearth and the fire, blazing fireplace that was going there. And in typical Scottish fashion, neither said very much to the other. After a while, the pastor remarked, John, I haven't seen you in church recently. I've been busy, John replied. Nothing more was said. They continued to rock and look into the fire. A few minutes passed and the pastor picked up a set of tongs adjacent to the fireplace and pushed one burning piece of wood off to a corner by itself. Didn't say a word. Sat back down. He and John rocked. Slowly, that flaming piece of wood ceased to flame, turned gray, went cold. Pastor waited a few minutes after that happened. Then again, he picked up the tongs and pushed the piece back into the middle of the hearth, in the middle of the fire. You know what happened. It immediately began to blaze once again. Pastor made no comment. A few minutes later, as he was leaving, the absentee looked at his pastor and said, Pastor, I will be back in church on Sunday. Stay away from church and grow cold. It's axiomatic. You may say that it wouldn't happen to me, but it would. Come together, somebody might needle you. That happens. Now, whether it's a mom, dad, and children, or a large number of people coming together in a church, there are obstacles to unity. There are obstacles to unity at home. There are obstacles to unity in your office. There are obstacles to unity in the church. Our own individuality is one of the greatest obstacles. I am who I am, and I'm going to be who I am, and if you don't like it, that's your problem. That's our individuality. And it is a great cause for what we're speaking about here, a lack of unity. Think about this with me just a little bit. You get married and things change from I to we. That in itself isn't easy. Two people, two distinct individuals, two different sexes, at least that was God's plan, Two different personalities, 
under one roof. That requires adjustment. But through an effort on the part of both parties, one close interpersonal relationship is established. And that is the simplest form of family structure. But even that takes a lot of work. Imagine a church family. We come together and everybody has diverse backgrounds. Oh, there may be some similarities, but basically there are diverse backgrounds with all who are within the sound of my voice this morning. And we make up something new. A church. But I want to go back for just a moment to the home, to a much, much smaller unit. Two people get married. And then Junior comes along. Now, instead of having one close interpersonal relationship, there are three. Dad and Mom, Dad and Junior, Mom and Junior. Another child comes along, and there are six relationships. A third child comes along, and there are ten interpersonal relationships involved in a home. With four children, they're 15. So for all this is living under one roof. What about a church? What about a church? In a church of 200 people, and I, if you want, I'm, I'm not going to do it in, in the service, but if you want, I'll give you my, the formula because I have checked this out with my my resident mathematician. I can give you my formula. In a church with 200 people, there are 15,900 interpersonal relationships. Almost 16,000 interpersonal relationships. How can there be any unity in something like that? Hear me well, dear friends. Jesus prayed that there would be unity in his church. Now, I don't care about the reasons why there's a lack of harmony. I don't don't care about that. All I care about right now at this particular moment is Jesus prayed for unity in his church. No little clicks. Nobody getting bent out of shape because somebody else said something or did something. Jesus prayed for unity. My question is, is there unity in our church? Are the porcupines ruling? I put on the back of your notes this morning the thing that we had last Sunday morning. An overview of the whole chapter of John 17. What Jesus prayed for himself in verses 1 through 5 of John 17. And the key word there is glorify. What Jesus prayed for his disciples is in verses 6 through 19. And the key word there is keep. 
Jesus was committing the care and the keeping of his disciples to his heavenly father. Keep them. What Jesus prayed for with respect to his church is in verses 20 through 26. And the key word is unity. And it is to that last section that we have come this morning. The first thing that claims our attention here is our Lord's earthly request for his church. And that's found in verses 20 to 23. Our Lord's earthly request for his church. John 17 verses 20 to 23. While the church remained and remains on earth, Jesus prayed for their unity. Jesus wanted there to be unity in his church. That doesn't come as a surprise to anybody within the sound of my voice, does it? Seventeen twenty-one, John seventeen twenty-one a, that they may all be how many? Sixteen thousand, because that be di- different relationships in a church of two hundred. No, he prayed that they be one, just one. Last part of verse 22. Just as we are one. How many times does Jesus have to say something before we get it? To be one. Last part of verse 20. Well, excuse me. First part of verse 23. I am them and thou and me that they may be perfected in what? Multiplicity? Not in my Bible. That they may be perfected in unity. Three times, maybe one, maybe one, unity. Now, the uh, logical and, and question, question and, and the question that must be raised here is what kind of unity is Jesus talking about here? That's a reasonable question. If you study the Word of God, you ought to ask the Bible the questions. I want to say a few words, first of all, about what this unity is not, Okay? What this unity is not. This is not a prayer for organizational unity. Whatever advantages we might see in organizational unity, all the churches coming under one head or or in denominationalism, we need to remember at one point in time the church had all of this. It had all this kind of unity, organizational unity. And it was a dark day for the church. You recall under Emperor Constantine, the church was increasingly centralized until there was literally one great, huge, united, easy ecclesiastical body that covered almost all of Europe. Now that was organizational unity. Question, was that a great day for the church? Was the cause of Christ advanced significantly or at all because of that organizational unity? Listen to what one historian said about that time. 
The world was persuaded that God had nothing to do with that great, crushing, superstitious, ignorant thing which called itself Christianity. And thinking men became infidels. And it was the hardest possible thing to find a genuine, intelligent believer north, south, east, or west. Was it a good day for the church when they had all that organizational unity under Constantine? No, it was not. Historians agree about that. May I say to you, seldom if ever in the history of the church from its inception in Acts 2, seldom if ever in the history of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has there been genuine spiritual progress as a result of an ecumenical movement. Jesus was not praying for organizational unity. Second, he was not praying for conformity that would result in everyone being just exactly alike. If the error of the liberal church is to seek extended an extension of organizational unity if that is the error with the more liberal churches and it is then the error of the evangelical church is to strive for an identical pattern of looks and behavior among all its members Everyone carries the same version of the Bible. Everyone reads the same books. Everyone educates their children the same way. Everyone likes and dislikes the same things. Hear me well. God's not in the business of cloning Christians. God's not in the business of cloning Christians. Diversity, not conformity. Diversity, not uniformity, is always the characteristic of the church. But, Pastor, doesn't that mitigate against uh, the unity that he's talking about here? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. What is the nature of this unity? I asked that question in your outline first, and I talked about two things it's not. But go back now with me to the nature of this unity. It is a unity that parallels the unity of the Godhead. 1721, that they may all be one, even, okay, that they may be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. It is a spiritual unity which centers around the person and work of Jesus Christ. What is the nature of the unity that he's praying for? Again, again, it is a spiritual unity which revolves around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a spiritual unity like that, people can get along and do get along. In that kind of spiritual unity, focused and centered around the Lord Jesus Christ, people can and do get along. There's no disunity. There's no discord. There is no judgmental inflexibility. Yet, there is diversity in this spiritual unity gathered around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, 
Jesus prayed for this kind of unity in the church. Now, another question that seems to me that cries out to be raised is how? What is the means of this unity? How is it achieved? If you will, for just a moment or two, picture a cone in your mind. Maybe like the ice cream cone you had yesterday afternoon, okay? Now imagine that cone is turned upside down. It's inverted. The Lord Jesus is at the top of that cone, at the apex of that cone. The Lord Jesus is at the top. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are around the base of that cone. Now, hear me well. As believers at the base of that cone draw near to the Lord Jesus Christ, they draw near to one another. That's the means of this spiritual unity. People drawing near to Jesus and therefore they draw near to one another. I believe Christian unity is only experienced as people draw close to the Lord. I don't think you can have it any other way. I don't believe that people can just muster the, 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 the wherewithal to have a spiritual unity if it is not one that is based on the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't believe there's any other way you can do it. And apparently Jesus didn't think so either because he said, as it is with the Father and the Son. When people draw close to the Lord, may I say to you, porcupines lose their quills. I believe, I believe firmly, heartily, with all that is in me, that disharmony can, I believe, be measured in our distance from Jesus. Some of you are not going to believe me. I'm not sure the reason, but I know you're not. I believe that disharmony is like wearing a sandwich board sign that says, I'm a long way away from Jesus. Disharmony, lack of unity in the church, somebody ought to be wearing a sandwich board sign that says, I'm a long way from Jesus. man who was pastor at Moody Church a number of years ago. We've got a number of his books in our library here. But he looked at the church and came to the conclusions that I'm coming to. This harmony in the church. And he sat down one day in his office 
open a hymn book and turn to the hymn that we sing, Onward Christian Soldiers. Great hymn. He looked at that hymn and looked at the words, Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, and you know the rest of it. And then third line in that, I think it's the third line, says, we are not divided, all one body we. You know, I, I, I said earlier, I wonder if we think about the words that we sing in the songs. I really, I have pondered it. At long stretches of my ministry. What if we only were to sing the, th- the things in the, in the hymn book that are actually true of us? We'd have to take out a, an awful lot of songs out of our hymn book. This pastor changed the words to one of those verses. You know what's in the hymn book. Here's what he wrote. Like a mighty tortoise moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where we've always trod. We are all divided, not one body we. Fight through countless ages, men and women sing. Disharmony in the church, I believe, is one of the ugliest things that can exist in a church. How do we deal with it? Answer is not hard. Just remember the cone with Jesus at the top, believers around the bottom, and believers moving up. And the closer we are to Jesus, the more unity there will be in the church. I want to look at the necessity for this unity, for it is spelled out very clearly. Time will not permit me to do that this morning. What am I asking of Wake Chapel Church this morning? I've said it two or three times. I'll say it again. Let's get closer. Individually. Let's get closer. Me and you. Let's get closer to Jesus. That will bring to us a continuing unity. The pastor of the church in Chicago that I referred to a while ago 
looked at his congregation and he felt like a lot of folks not going to want to hear what I got to say about this. Because he had some porcupines. Some of you may see it here this morning. Not like what I said. If you will get into John 17, and if you will study that John 17, and if when you're through studying it, you believe I've said something that's wrong, I will see that you have an appointment with me in my office at your earliest convenience if you can show me that's wrong. Hear me well. I'm going to say this firmly. If it is true, then let's get with God's program. Not my program, not your program. Let's get with God's program and get closer to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, church doesn't belong to, 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 to us. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to the people that see it in front of me. It doesn't belong to the trustees. It doesn't belong to the deacons. It doesn't belong to any of us. None of us have shed blood for the church. Jesus did. He died for it. And he says, I want there to be unity in my church. Help us, O oh God. We are stubborn. We are stiff-necked people. We want our way. We don't want to forgive. We want to be mad. We want to be angry. Jesus prayed. We have a part in that prayer being answered in the affirmative. Oh God, make it so. In Jesus' name, amen. I need thee every hour. And if we're going to draw closer to Jesus, true words couldn't be spoken. Number 428. I'm not going to give an invitation for folks to join the church or even make a profession of faith this morning. I'm going to give an invitation to you, every one of you, who are seated in front of me, To begin this morning of drawing closer to Jesus, the head of that cone. That's my invitation to Wake Chapel Church this morning. A church that doesn't love Jesus will not reach the world. It just won't happen. That's another reason why we need to move up in this cone and get closer to the Lord Jesus. A unity here and an outreach to the world. Make no mistake about it. 
The mission of the church is to be salt and light and take the gospel to people that don't know Jesus. We have two tasks before us. They start with our getting closer to the Lord Jesus. That's where it begins. May God enable us, work in our hearts, speak to us and direct us so that we do that. Edwin Holland is our deacon of the day. Edwin, if you will come, please dismiss us with prayer. We will sing God be with you until we meet again. And may that be so too. Edwin, if you'll pray for us, please. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us together to worship you today. Thank you for uh, what you've taught us today, the word that we've heard preached. Um, we thank you that it is uh, your true word. Please draw us closer to you. Help us to draw ourselves closer to you. Uh, we go out from here, whether we want to or intend to or care to, we go out as missionaries to the world. We need to be close to you so that we can be effective. Um, so please take care of us this week as we go out um, and are missionaries for you. We also want to pray for the Gideons, um, great missionary that uh, has provided Bibles to folks all over the world. We pray for their, um, their needs and, and the things that they do for you. Please bring us back again safe next week to meet with you again. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to bring you faultless and joyful before his glorious presence. To, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, might, and authority from all ages past and now and forever and ever. Amen.